Welcome back to another episode of Tea with Elsa. Today we're joined with an incredible individual. At only the age of 15, Yonada designed an app to counter gender-based violence with two of her friends. She joins us today. Thank you so much, Yonada, for being here. Thank you for having me. It's, I'm super, super excited to be here. It's really exciting to have you. We've been talking for a while and this app is something that, you know, I think is something we need to share more on a wider basis. And I'm really excited for you to be here. So kind of to kick things off, the first question I have is when you came to this idea of designing an app, why did you go with something like domestic abuse and like gender-based violence? Yeah, so uh, me and my friends, we were all pretty young when we started working on the app. And it was actually like, there's a lot of people who had the same question because they were like, you're so young. How could you, um, how could you think about such, such a, such a major issue? How could you, how did you think that you could tackle, um, this sort of problem? But the thing is that to us, it came very naturally because we were three young girls growing up in, in Albania in a very, in an extremely patriarchal society. Um, and I know it seems like when you're young, there's a lot of things that you don't understand, but I think kids and teenagers are extremely perceptive. And uh, we kind of, we live through that reality. We live in this society and we do notice uh, the differences and we do notice what's going on. Um, and we had noticed uh, gender-based violence. Uh, we had noticed um, gender inequality in our everyday lives. And uh, in the period of that period of time when we started working on the app and we were brainstorming ideas, uh, there were a lot of uh, headlines on the news about women being abused and yeah. uh, even like murdered by their partners. And um, that's, I mean, that stuff is um, is tragic and it really, it really like sticks with you when you hear something like that especially when you're a girl, you think that could happen to me in the future. And yeah. um, that's why that's why we decided that this was the issue that we were going to uh, we were going to create an app about. And we were all very passionate about it, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Gender based violence is I mean, even now, I think just a week ago, I've been seeing on Instagram, these images going around of an organization sticking names of women on different mm -hmm. streets in Tirana. So it's an issue that's very prevalent, especially in the Albanian community. You mentioned that you you were very aware of like gender-based discrimination as you were growing up. With older generations, I'd say I'd say it was quite a stigmatized conversation to have, and there was like a taboo around it. Would you say that that was a bit different in your experience growing up? How how much exposure and like uh, discussion was there around around this? Honestly, not much when I was growing up. Uh, maybe now that I'm a little bit more grown up, um, things are a little bit different, but when I was growing up, there were almost no conversations about it. I feel like it was still very much, um, stigmatized. It was still very much a taboo conversation. Uh, we never talked, we almost never talked about it in schools. If anything, um, if anything, it was kind of... Uh, you could see it in, in schools too, the way girls and uh, boys were treated. You know, it's, um, I think that's when, when we first, when young girls like me uh, first started to notice um, the the difference 
and how uh, girls and and boys were treated in schools. And when you when you live when you leave like your family when you leave your nest and you first get to see how the world really is outside of your your house, that's when you start to notice um, things that maybe aren't quite right. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really really impressive that you were able to recognize that in your own experience and kind of decide amongst yourself that you want to do something to contribute to that change. Um, so you you came to this idea of creating something to counter that problem. Could you talk to us a bit about how you set up this app, maybe talk about the Technovation competition you entered and how you came across that opportunity? Yeah. Um, so uh, one of my friends uh, that was uh, in my team, she had been part of the Technovation Challenge for four years at that point. Uh, she was very experienced. Um, and because we were friends, she'd been trying to get me to join for a very long time. And I was like, I'm not really interested in technology. And then finally, I decided to join because um, I understood kind of that it was um, it was much more than just about technology. Uh, you could actually uh, find find a solution or, or try to uh, address a problem uh, that you are passionate about. And um, the uh, the competition is it's an international competition and it's focused only on girls where uh, girls uh, kind of like group up in teams and they create an app about a problem in their community and um obviously uh, the the aim of uh, the competition is to um get girls into fields like like technology that are mainly um male dominated mm -hmm. and uh that was actually in and of itself without the the, the topic that we decided we decided uh we were going to discuss uh, with our app uh just being surrounded by by other girls who um were part of this competition and were, were working to solve issues in their communities all around the world just in and of itself that experience yeah. was extremely empowering um and um yeah, uh, the here in Albania, the the competition is supported by the U.S. Embassy, mm -hmm. and um, they they provide a lot of the materials that uh, girls need to work with, and and the spaces where they gathered and uh, worked together. Um, and uh, there's there's been other teams, um, wonderful teams of girls who went to semifinals. Uh, one of my friend's teams had previously entered the semifinals before, and uh, we were the first one from Albania to enter the finals and win the competition. That's really incredible. And I think what's really incredible about something like this competition is really a lot of the time what individuals and like young people need is kind of to have the resources and the tools and then they're given that sort of creative space to to come up with ideas to make a change but having said that on the flip side i can imagine it was also quite overwhelming to be you know be given these opportunities and these tools and being told okay you can come up with a solution and um, i can imagine that can be quite daunting you don't know where to start maybe or how to kind of begin such a puzzle how, how did you find that experience it was difficult and it was scary i'm not going to lie um mostly at least for me because i had never done anything like this before 
Uh, but we did work very well as a team and all of the ideas we came up with together um, and the fact that I wasn't alone, but I was in a part of a team, it definitely made things a little bit better. But I had never, I had never um, had any experience similar to this. Um, before that, it, was, it had just been school for me. I had just been focused in academics and I was almost oblivious to this whole other world of, um, of, of things that, that I could do. Um, and, um, it was, it was a little bit difficult starting up, uh, in the beginning, coming up with an idea, trying to design, trying to, um, you know, create, uh, create an app that could solve as many of, uh, of the issues that are, you know, connected to gender-based violence. Uh, and, um, I think in the end, we, we did manage to do that. Um, so when you final, when you see the final product and you're happy yeah. with it, you kind of forget about all the difficulties that you may have had, um, in the past. Yeah, I can imagine it's, it's completely worth it. And I think once you kind of get into a rough idea, you're able to use your team to motivate you and find different aspects that work. Um, so you mentioned teamwork and how that was quite quite a relief and it helps you kind of stay motivated how did you go about kind of delegating work and tapping into each other's strengths to create a final product i think we worked really well mostly because each one had like a very specific set of skills <laughs> we kind of divided like the work between us from the beginning yeah and um and that wasn't that wasn't that hard really because each one was like doing their own thing and then then we came together and uh, it was like this is what we've done now let's just put our all of our individual work um, together yeah. and and it just worked yeah I really love that I think there can be sometimes pressure to like do things by yourself and like I want to create this app and I want to be the one to like solve this problem. Um, but there's so much value in teamwork and having different resources and different knowledge. And I think it's something we've seen with the ALSA organization as well. The more we've grown over this past year, the more we've been able to do. Um, I mean, this podcast, for example, wouldn't be possible if we didn't have so many people on the team working on it. So that's really awesome. Um, so if we talk a bit about the app, I mean, I want to say one of my favorite features is the kind of the 30 day myth challenge. It's very hard to choose a favorite feature because there's a lot of things I love about it. But with that one in specifically, we've spoken before about um, some of the research I've done on coercive control. And, you know, there's this form of domestic abuse that's really psychological and it can be quite hard to see any kind of physical signs of it because it's really a mental game between the, a victim and a perpetrator. And I think that's why I thought the 30 day challenge, uh, myth challenge was so impressive because it taps into something that really only the victim is going through where they're telling themselves certain things and there's been certain ideas drilled into their heads. Um, but I think it can also be a very nuanced and difficult thing to understand. So how did you guys go about coming up with potential myths that um, a victim might be experiencing and finding ways that you can educate them on why that myth is incorrect, but also be sensitive to the fact that they're in that situation and to them that feels like a reality? That's a very hearty question. <laughs> no, it is, but I I love that question actually. Um, so before you even go to the other menus of the app, there is before you go to the thirty day program, there's a very short assessment questionnaire that you take uh, when you first download the app. Um, 
not every single time you enter it, just when you first download the app. And you're you're asked, I think it's maybe five questions um, that you are asked about what you, what you believe is true or not when it comes to gender-based violence, and that's a very short assessment questionnaire. But we thought it's uh, that it's, it could be very helpful, especially because sometimes people are in abusive relationships and they don't see the signs, they don't see the red flags. Um, and moving on from that, there's the 30-day program. Uh, the 30-day program consists of uh, myth-breaking exercises and then relaxation and meditation exercises and also success stories of other women who have been mm -hmm. uh, in abusive relationships. And um, it's how we came up with, with the 30 myths uh, about domestic violence and gender-based violence. It's a combination of a lot of research, um, things that we had heard, um, beliefs like wrong beliefs that we had heard spoken yeah. by women. Um, and that really hurts, you know, when, when you see women kind of like talking themselves down yeah. and uh, believing things that aren't true about, um, about the relationships between um, men and women. And also, um, uh, our conversations, very, very prolonged conversations with, um, with a psychologist here in Albania. Um, her name is, uh, Bjerta Bodinaku. She's a, she's a PhD, um, uh, psychologist. And, uh, she was extremely helpful because obviously, uh, we knew, we knew some things about uh, gender-based violence and yeah. a lot of other things we could research, you know, there's, there's a lot of information on the internet maybe not enough information in albanian yeah. but there is information um out there but it's different when you're talking to an expert um, yeah absolutely so that definitely definitely uh opened our eyes to um a lot of aspects about gender-based violence and and the psychology of uh someone who's been abused that we had no idea uh, about before yeah, that, that's really incredible. And I think the reason the app in my eyes is, is, you know, such an achievement is because it really is quite holistic and it looks at all the different aspects of someone who's experiencing this. And the fact that you were able to, you know, talk to professionals and get their input really elevates it to another level. Um, what, I mean, I said what my favorite part of the app was. What's your favorite feature of the app? Oh, my favorite. My favorite, and it's it's kind of, it's ironic because this is all of our, um, all of the team's favorite, but <laughs> sometimes we forget to mention it. And it's, uh, it's the incognito, uh, feature. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's, um, it's just, we're all so passionate about it because <laughs> honestly, like <laughs> when it comes to the incognito feature, I think all of us kind of throw the humbleness out of the window because we're just so <laughs> proud of it. As you should, as you should. <laughs> We're just so proud of it. Um, it it's um, the incognito feature uh, disguises the app as as a calculator. Um, we came up. I, this was actually the last uh, the last feature that we came up with. It wasn't originally part of the plan, right. and and then we thought, wait, but what if uh, what if uh, you know sometimes the uh, women who are in abusive relationships they also lack privacy their Absolutely. phones are sometimes like constantly being checked and we thought wait but what if um 
an abusive partner finds this app on um on her phone and instead of you know being helpful it actually increases you know the risk um for um for the user and that's how we decided uh, that we needed we needed this feature we needed incognito feature to disguise um to disguise the app and it's actually quite easy and uh quite good because it also functions as yeah. an actual calculator <laughs> you really could cool. use it as a calculator <laughs> if you needed to um but when you press uh your your password a password that you um set up yourself um and hit uh the equal button mm -hmm. it takes you to the app it takes you to json that's amazing yeah that is a very cool feature i you should definitely not be humble about that that's really <laughs> Um, we've spoken about some of the really cool parts of the app and um, it's obviously a massive success. What would you say, because you mentioned that you'd never had an experience like this before, mm -hmm. kind of looking into technology and creating an application. What would you say was the most challenging aspect of that? Oh, the most challenging aspect. I think, um, I think for me, I just didn't know where to get started with things. Mm. Um, and I... I didn't have many connections. My family didn't have many connections growing up, and uh, to make the to make the app work, you needed connections. You know, we needed to meet up with businesses. We needed to you, we needed to meet up with organizations and uh, experts and uh, government officials, mm -hmm. and that was very overwhelming for me in the beginning, um, because as I said, I had never done anything like that before. Um, and I never, I never thought I would up until that point, you know, it's, uh, when you get started, everything is definitely very, very overwhelming, but then you get used to things. Um, and what may have been overwhelming before starts to get exciting, uh, and you start looking forward to things. Yeah. Um, that's a really nice way to look at it. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think it's just important to, you know, appreciate that it is challenging at the start and that's really what reflects that it will be a learning experience. And um, yeah, you guys definitely cracked the code and were able to make it happen. So it's obviously worked. Um, kind of moving on from the more specific features of the app. Once you guys had finished the app and you'd been, you know, invited to the finals of um, Technovation competition, you you started uh, being invited to different interviews and appearing on like Albanian TV. So you were on top channel and stuff like that how was that experience because i can imagine that's quite it's really exciting to be <laughs> on television but i can imagine it's also quite nerve-wracking how did you find how did you find that uh very stressful in the beginning um but um but then as i said then you start getting used to things <laughs> uh sometimes it was even funny especially when um when we were we weren't just like being interviewed, but we were also being filmed doing our work, and sometimes yeah. we had to like pretend that we were all talking about something important. Yeah, seriously. And we had to like walk through the doors like a hundred times to get the shot right. I love that. Um, and and sometimes it was it was, sometimes it was very fun. Um. And uh, honestly, it's been it's been a very nice experience because it feels like you're being listened to. It feels like you're you're getting recognition for your work, but it's not just it's not just about the recognition that you're getting uh, for your work and and your accomplishments. It's it's about finally being listened to. 
I think as um, as girls growing up in Albania, and this obviously happens um, all around the world, but yeah. specifically being a girl in Albania, sometimes you feel like people aren't listening to you, mm-hmm. especially when you're young. And, and we were young. Uh, we were still teenagers um, yeah. in high school. And I think that was what was, at least for me, very special. Uh, just finally being uh, being listened to and people asking questions about my own experiences. Um, it was it was kind of shocking at first because I wasn't I wasn't expecting people to actually want to listen to what I had to say. Yeah, I can imagine. And I think there's one video. I don't remember what channel it was, but there's like a panel of like um, professionals, I guess. And you guys have like zoomed in and you're speaking virtually, but it's really cool to have these old, this older generation listening to your input. And I think it's the most important thing because you, you are the future generation and the change will come hopefully from, from our generation. So that's really that was, exciting. That was actually one of our most important uh, interviews. And honestly, it was, it was very nerve wracking, but it was also so exciting because um, there were all these people there, very important people in, in the media here in Albania. And then, and then it was us, you know? Yeah. Um, just teenage girls still in high school talking about such, such a big issue. Um, and it just, it made me feel very, very, I felt very emotional at some mm. point, but I also felt very powerful. Um, you know, I have, I have something to say and you're listening to me and you have to listen to me. Um, so that's, um, it's, it's, it's a kind of experience that you don't, you don't get to live every day. You know, when you, you're so young and most of the time you feel very small, very significant. And there is a moment like that where you feel powerful, where you feel like you have all the power in the world and, um, your voice is you know, being listened to by everyone, not just your peers or teachers at school or your parents at home, but yeah. nationwide. It is. It's so incredible. And I think powerful is the right words. Um, even as a listener listening onto it, I, I definitely felt a sense of power and real pride seeing three young Albanian girls. Um, and kind of tapping into that feeling, would you say this experience as a whole, I can imagine, boosted your confidence? Did it did it inspire you to to think, you know what, I can make some changes in in the realm that I have um and kind of feel powerful in that sense? Yes, it absolutely did. I think uh this experience is is it, it changed me completely and it changed my life. I don't think uh I would be where I am right now, um, if it wasn't for my experience with with technovation, I think that's where uh, my life actually started. Um, and because you know, the way we grow up here in Albania, you know, our parents always uh, encourage us. They they encourage us to do well in school. Yeah. But not much um, like beside school and academics you're not really encouraged to to take part in in competitions or do volunteer work you know it's not seen uh as as an important thing to do yeah Uh, and i didn't see that way growing up either because that's not how i was raised and then technovation opened my eyes to this whole 
new worlds mm -hmm. and um, entire world of possibilities, things that I, I could do. I'm, I'm really glad you said that because I think we can fall into the trap of thinking, you know, I have to go to school, get good grades and I'm sorted. But really the places that you're going to find inspiration and you're going to learn new skills and, and develop things and really just learn about yourself and what you find interesting is in those extracurricular, those um, competitions, pushing yourself and stuff like that. So that's really awesome. Um, I think it's really interesting. I don't think I've told you this before, but I came across um, the Jeza app before I'd ever come across you. So I remember reading about it a couple of years ago in the news and I thought, oh, this is so awesome. And then um, you applied to Into Law's essay competition challenge. So Into Law is a social um, mobility innovation that I run myself and you had applied to that essay competition. And I remember seeing your name and thinking that name is really familiar. And I <laughs> You up and I, I saw the app and I was like oh my god I've come across this girl before so that was a really surreal moment for me and I was I was so honored that you'd applied to our essay competition I was like wow and <laughs> cool. um, out of curiosity how did you come across that essay competition because for me it seems like you're someone who seeks out opportunities and you know you've had these incredible experiences how do you go about building that because some people will say oh well I just don't know these opportunities opportunities exist or I just wasn't aware how do you kind of encourage that in your life? So, um, as I said, it was Technovation and Jesa that completely changed how I how I looked at things and how I looked at life and the plans that I was making for for my future, um, and you know what what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, that's it was after Technovation that I started you know looking for things um, and trying to um, try to create opportunities for myself or seize them when they were um, right in front of me. And um, actually, how I came across um, the Into Law essay competition, it's a, it's a funny story because I didn't. Um, a friend did, and <laughs> she knew I was interested in law, she sent it to me. But this is a friend that I knew before, but I really connected um, through Technovation. Yeah. So it's it's just amazing the, the, the connections that and the friendships that, that you build. Um, when uh when you're participating in stuff like this um it's not just it's not just that they're just it's it's something it's a network and it helps you um in the future uh when you're when you're working with people um closely and um you start thinking and and, and talking about things that you want to do okay we've had this very eye-opening experience what do we want to do next Mm -hmm. And uh, you start thinking about stuff like that. And you start talking about things like that uh, with the people around you, and uh, you start you start building connections. So this friend knew that. I honestly don't remember how she came across that because she's not <laughs> interested in law. She's very much a technology person, it was uh, STEM person, yeah. But she knew that I was interested in law. Uh, and she sent me this, and I was like, "Here, I came across this, and I thought you'd love it." check it out and I was like um okay maybe I'll check it out uh, and that's how um that's how that happened but I love that you um that you had heard about Jason yeah I love that see that when I hear things like that I'm like we must be doing something right exactly I, I literally read about it I don't remember what news source it was but um I would occasionally like as a diaspora you, you want to you know learn about what's going mm -hmm. on so I'd occasionally 
tap into that and just see what's been going on in Albania. So when I came across it, I was like, I know I've seen this name somewhere. So I just searched your name and the app came up. And I was like, yes, of course. But yeah, it's really incredible that, you know, we started from there. And now when we were, you know, setting up this podcast, it's all about sharing incredible stories from Albanians. So you immediately came to mind and I was like, yes, got to get her on the podcast. Um, yeah, the, uh, the interlock competition was... Um... I cherish uh, that experience because oh. I uh, I learned so so many things. First of all, I got to write an essay that I, I had never written an essay like that before, and it was a very uh, helpful experience to have right before starting college. Yeah, because um, I was definitely a little bit insecure about that going into college, but then I got to um, I got to write um, an essay about about this topic that I was very very passionate about. And, and I got second place you and that's did. very, that, that was very, um, that was very reassuring. I was like, I'm going to be fine. <laughs> I'm going to be fine in college. Well, that makes me so happy to hear you did. You were in the top three yeah. and you got second place. It was an incredible essay and I was very proud. I was like, yes, <laughs> and another fellow Albanian. <laughs> oh, that makes me really happy. And I think it, it it's just goes to show that these kind of organizations and it links back to this idea of talking about working in a team and being able to tap into people's knowledge. These kind of things wouldn't be able to work if we weren't supporting one another. So I think that's just a homage to that to that idea and it, it links to your app as well. Um, and so we've kind of moved on a little bit to education um, and you're interested in studying law. You're now a student at Harvard University, which is incredible. Tell us a little bit about that journey and how you came to applying to Harvard, how you built up that confidence and um, just your whole experience in that in that realm. Yeah, so um, before Technovation, I used to be really scared of trying new things. Um, I knew I was good at school. I was good with academics. And so I stuck to that because it was kind of a comfort zone. Um, and I thought, you know, when I finish school and I finally get a job, I'm, I'm just going to be fine. I'm going to know how to do things. But, um, Technovation taught me that it's just, it's very, very important to, um, quote unquote, get your hands dirty, um, and just work on things, uh, because academics is absolutely very important. You know, education is extremely important and I'm, um, I'm an advocate for that but it's also very important to experience um, real life. Um, and Technovation taught me that. And after Technovation, I started seeking out different opportunities and you know, you're know, you not always gonna succeed, but the more you try, um, the more you build up um, the confidence. So I started, after Technovation, I started looking into other opportunities. Um, I knew I was very interested in debate because I was always debating in class. Mm -hmm. So um, so when I finally got the opportunity to enter a debating competition between um, high schools, I took it. Um, even though I was extremely, extremely scared, um, I took it. I decided that, you know, I can't be scared anymore uh, because it's not going to help me. And sometimes you fail, sometimes you have setbacks, um, and that's all right, because there's a new opportunity that's going to come uh, your way. And, and eventually, you know, when, when you fail, um, it's really not failure, it's, it's a learning experience. I decided to uh, look at it that way. It's a learning experience, and whatever you've learned, 
um, from a setback, you can apply to the next thing um, that you're that you're gonna do. So um, I did debate. I loved it, um, and um, and you know, doing stuff like this. This that's how I kind of built up the confidence to to apply to Harvard. Um, I never would have if it weren't for Technovation and all, all the things that came after. Um, I still can't say that I was confident applying to Harvard and be honest, um, because I wasn't confident. I was like, okay. I'm going to be rejected so hard, but, <laughs> um, but you know, um, I can say that I got confidence in the sense that I didn't. I didn't um, shy away from applying just because um, just because of the thought of failure. Um, you know, I knew that if I didn't do it, I was going to regret it for the rest of my life, even even if I was rejected. Um, you know, because it's um, they say that um, you only fail, you only ever fail the things that you never you never try. So. A lot of people make they just throw away from the opportunity and like you say, if you close that door without you know, you're you're bound to fail because you haven't even tried. So just pushing yourself. And I think it's really cool to hear you say how you just accepted the fear was something there and you just had to get over it in the sense that I think there's this idea of like, how do I get rid of the fear or how do I build up the confidence to finally do it? I don't think you can ever really get to that point where you're going to be like, yeah, I'm 100% ready for this. That's true. It's just about being like, I accept that there is fear in this. I accept that I might fail, but you know what? I'm okay with that because I'm going to try it and see what happens. Absolutely. I don't even consider myself a very positive person. I don't have a positive outlook on life. And that's something that I need to work on. Um, but <laughs> because the first thing that I do is uh, think about all the possible outcomes, you know, all of the things that could go wrong. And um, and and uh, I, I think about the possibilities of failure, all the things that I, I, I'm not doing I may not be doing right um and all of the ways that i could be failing i think about all of that i'm really not <laughs> i'm not a positive person but um i really don't think that you can you can get rid of fear and i don't think you should yeah because in the end i think it's what what keeps you going you know um the stress and and the fear it's what keeps you going uh trying to overcome that uh, that feeling is, is what keeps you going in the end. And, um, I'm kind of grateful actually that I think about all the possible outcomes because whatever the outcome is in the end, I'm prepared for it. Yeah, that's very true. Well, you know, and, um, if you, you know, if you never take an opportunity, then there's a 100% chance that you're going to fail. But if you take it, there is a chance that you that you're gonna win. You know, however slight, there's a chance that you're gonna you're gonna get what you want, yeah. and um, and however scared you are, having that slight chance is still better than having none at all. Absolutely, and I think I I would say it's it's okay to like appreciate that. Okay, maybe I'm not the most positive person, or maybe I worry about all the outcomes. But it's just about reframing your mindset and accepting that that is a piece of it. So that's really incredible. Um, so you built up the courage to apply to Harvard. 
you were still nervous, but you thought you'd give it a go. And when we started this call, you were telling me that this is the exact place you were set down when you found out you'd got into Harvard. How yeah. how was that whole experience? Tell us about um that experience of finding out you'd gotten in and sharing that news with your family and friends. So uh, when I got the news, it was when the yeah when the decisions came out, it was one a.m. in Albania because of time zones. Uh, <laughs> it's actually a really funny story because I knew the exact date and time when the decisions were gonna come out. Yet I had been checking my emails for a week. Okay. Every like every hour, it was crazy. Uh, my mom thought I was going crazy, um, and and I think I was. <laughs> Oh, uh, so I was like, wait, wait, what if, what if they send out rejections first, you know? What <laughs> so I was, I was compulsively che- checking my emails every, every, every hour for like a week, the, the entire week before the decisions came out. And I was extremely stressed. And uh, my mom and I have kind of this, this unwritten, you know, rule that whenever I'm super stressed, she'll buy uh she'll buy chocolate for me and um when i first started checking uh, my emails for the decision letters uh a week before they came out my mom was like uh yeah no my daughter needs chocolate right now and and she she brought me a bar of chocolate and i was you know i was so stressed i was about to open it and eat it and then i changed my mind i was like wait i feel like people always have like these very cool stories so let me do something with this. <laughs> I I went to my mom in the kitchen. I put the chocolate in the fridge and I said, mom, when I get the decision letters, if I'm rejected, I'm going to eat the entire chocolate bar by myself and don't speak to me. Um, but if I get in, I'm going to share the chocolate with everyone. And when the decisions came out, I was right here in the spot. Um, my dad was asleep. My brother was asleep. And my mom was waiting. She was awake. Um, and when I opened the letters, I just like, I kind of like stared at it for a couple of seconds because I was expecting to, uh, I was expecting to read, uh, we are sorry to inform you. <laughs> and instead I was reading congratulations and something wasn't clicking in my brain. So I just like, I was like, this doesn't make sense. What is this? So I just stared at it at first and then, and then it hit me. I was like, oh my, oh my God, I actually got in and I woke up my brother. So he was the first person that I told. Aww. I woke my brother up and he hugged me. It was so sweet. And then I had to fight the urge to go to my mom and yell, I got in. So I went to the kitchen. I took the chocolate bar and I went to my mom and I was like, I handed it to her and I was like, here, have a piece. (laughs) And that's how my mom knew that I got in. (laughs) I love that story so much. I've heard you tell it to me before, but I just want to hear it again. (laughs) No, I love that story too. Um, during the application process, I was I was kind of working with with a mentor. So I, I signed up for for this program um, that helped um, you know kids that came from low income families or first generation, um, and helped them with the with the college apl- application process. And I said that I was like interested in applying to Harvard, so I got paired up with a Harvard student, and we would have Zoom calls, and he would read over my essays, and, you know, we kind of became friends, um, 
and uh and we, we still are friends uh we still hang out now that we are uh, classmates okay. and when i got in i also wrote an email to to him and i told him the chocolate thing i was like I had this I had this agreement with my mom uh, about the chocolate bar and I said I regret to inform you that I had to share the chocolate bar with my entire family. I love that. That's so good. It honestly it's like so much fun because there's so much stress building up to it and you put you put so much pressure on yourself. So finding a way to kind of diffuse that and once you're in, you kind of want to enjoy that kind of celebration a little bit and like be like, yeah, I deserve this. I deserve to yeah. celebrate and find a cool way to do it. So that's really cool because I definitely did not fight the urge. I just ran downstairs going, I got it. I got it. <laughs> like, so I think it's cool to, it's very difficult to be calm and collected, but it's it's a great story. Yeah, I, I wanted something. I wanted to have like a, a fun, a special story because I feel like a lot of people, uh, a lot of people try to film uh, the moment where they, yeah open the decision letters and I wanted to do that initially. I've been filming the entire day. Um, I've been filming myself the entire, the entire day, um, you know, kind of uh, talking about how, uh, how I was feeling um, and my expectations. But then the mo when the moment came to open the decision letter, I couldn't film it. I was like, I can't do it. Um, I really don't want it to be like a bad memory there if um, in case I get rejected. But the chocolate one was like, the chocolate story is like a little bit more low risk because whatever <laughs> happened, I still got chocolate. Exactly. So it was, I, it was kind of a win either way. <laughs> So you told us like, your chocolate story, which is really great. You, you build up the confidence, you got in. What has your experience been like so far? What has it been like to move from, you know, Albania, Tirana, which is kind of, to most people, is a country in the middle of nowhere. No one really necessarily knows about it, um, although we're, we're changing that slowly. What was it like to then suddenly be at Harvard, one of, you know, the greatest universities in the world? So this experience has been so many things. It's been scary. It's been overwhelming, terrifying, exciting. Um, and, and honestly, it's just, it, you kind of, you start feeling like a different person because the experience is so different. My experience here in Albania is so different from, uh, from my life um, at, at Harvard. And you you kind of you you started to feel yourself you know starting to change as a person and starting to see things differently and you definitely become a lot more independent um especially when you're so far away from home and you have to figure out everything uh by yourself you know you have to go to the bank yourself you have to go grocery sh shopping by yourself um and it's i was so scared at first um, it kind of, it kind of was the same way that it was when I first started, um, Technovation, when I first started working on JZA. Exciting, but very overwhelming, and I didn't know where to begin. Um, but, you know, eventually you get the hang of things, and then it just becomes routine. And at some point you're just like, this is my life now, and I like it. That's, that's really amazing to hear. And I can imagine it was a really scary change but so so incredible and you know you've realized that you have so many opportunities there i'm sure um so it's really exciting what's been your favorite moment so far is there something that comes to mind i don't know if i have a favorite moment um 
honestly, everything's just so, everything just happens so fast. You're, you're immersed in, in all of that's happening. Um, where I can't even, I can't even like build a timeline in my head when everything, like when everything happened, because everything just happens so fast. It's, yeah. it's a, um, you know, it's life is kind of, life just goes by so quickly there. And I don't know if I have a favorite moment. I know that there were difficult moments and I know that there were very fun and exciting moments. Uh, but one of my favorite parts about it is definitely the people that I met and the friendships um, that, that I made. Um, and overall, um, overall, I've had, I'm just very happy with the people that, um, that I have around me there. Um, I think another very important question, what is the food like? <laughs> How's that transition? Oh, yeah, but I, I'm afraid I don't have such a positive answer on that. <laughs> no. First of all, I mean, college dining halls, you can never expect, like, good food. That's true. It's not even about the quality of the food, it's about the food itself. Oh, it's God. just... <laughs> No, just because like um, coming from Albania and um, being used to, uh, you know, traditional food, yeah. good quality food, <laughs> traditional food. Um, and, you know, with the with the beans and and, and the bread yeah. and the cheese and everything. Um, and you just don't get that. You just don't get that there. Uh, it's a completely different experience you know it's a completely different things that you have to get used to uh which you do eventually but that doesn't mean that you like it <laughs> Just have to so before i came back home i sent my mom a long list of all the things that i wanted her to cook for me um and uh we had uh we had yufka a couple of days ago nice and she made uh, she made a dessert for me uh, today. I can't wait to eat it. Um, so so yeah, the food is definitely that's one of like the only things that I prefer here in Albania <laughs> compared to compared to uh, Harvard or the U.S. in general. I'm sure you're making the most of your time back in Albania then. Oh yes. <laughs> um. So you say food is one of the few things that you prefer, really. Is that, do you think then that you'd like to stay on in America or do you see coming back to Albania? What, where's your head at in that, in that sense? So I think uh, there's four years of college ahead and I'm sure uh, more school after that because I really want to do law. Um, and right now I'm studying uh, government. Um, the Harvard equivalent of political science. I don't know why Harvard is obsessed with, you know, making up terms uh, of their own. And um, I, I am still, I still haven't decided uh, where I want to build my life. Right now, I know what I want to study and um, I'm happy with where I am at. Um, in my life at this point and I do welcome uh, things that might happen in the future I don't know if I want to stay in the US or um, come back uh, and I don't know uh, build a life somewhere in Europe 
but I do think that it is, um, it's not impossible, but it's unlikely that I will um, come back to Albania to live here. Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely important that you keep the door, doors open and there's no, like, there's nothing set in stone. Um, it's interesting that you say you don't necessarily see yourself returning to Albania. What, why do you think that is? Is there kind of particular reasons for that? I, I do love Albania. I really do. And when I was away, I missed it. I missed a lot of things about it. I, I missed the food. I missed the, the scenery. I missed, the, you know, the place and obviously my family and friends. But I just, I missed the country and its traditions and, uh, and its culture overall. And obviously, I'm, I'm going to miss it in the future too. And I'm going to want to come back here um, to see it. But I don't think I could ever. Um, I, I don't think I could ever live here um, again because, well, for the eighteen years that I lived here, I never felt um, appreciated, and I never felt like I had a future here. Especially, especially in um, in my in with the career plans that I have. Yeah, and you know. we see that a lot. You know, the, our generation, the younger generation, a lot of them don't really see a feasible future staying staying back home. And you know, we, we see so many of the generation moving abroad and studying abroad. Um, you've spoken to me before about how sometimes people can perceive this as quite selfish. You know, even with um, the diaspora, we you know we go abroad, we build our lives, and we don't return back to Albania and you know how build build it up what what would you say to a, to a comment like that I um I used to I used to want to um study abroad and then come back and make a difference in my country um I used to be a very idealistic little kid <laughs> and um to some degree I still am but um when you grow up and you start to um, open up to the world a little bit more and see a little bit more, you start to notice that things really aren't that simple. Um, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of things that you might want to do that you can't, that are just not in your hands to fix. They're outside of your reach. And, um, as much as it pains me and as much as I would like to see real change in Albania, um, as much as I would like to be part of it, um, I don't see enough of an effort within our generation mm -hmm. uh for for me to to come back here and build a life here because you can't be part of something you can be part of change when you don't see any change yeah. at all you know i completely completely agree with that i think i i like you was very idealistic growing up i would think yeah i'm gonna go study my law degree and then i'm gonna go back and change Albania and you know, there's so many human rights yeah. issues and gender-based violence and, you know, you grow up and you realise, like you say, it's it's not that simple. Um, and, you know, there are political powers at play that don't allow for things like that to, to work out very well. And, you know, something I hear a lot is you'll have plenty of young people in Albania who go and study at university, get incredible degrees, you know, do well with their grades and then there's not an infrastructure to, to then move on to something better and like invest. So I personally don't think it's selfish at all. And I think there's a very real 
challenge that we face, all of us as Albanians who live there and as diaspora, in terms of how can we try and move towards something that we can have an opportunities, can have opportunities there that allow us to like go back and and get involved. Um, so yeah, I completely I completely hear that. So yeah, we spoke a bit about um, kind of feeling like there, there's not necessarily the infrastructure to make a change. Um, and I think it kind of links to a bit of brain drain and feeling like you, you want to make the change happen, you want to do something, but really there's nothing to block them to do that. And the app you created, obviously, it shows that there, you know, sometimes through the cracks and holes, there are little things we can do to improve the situation. Um, so do you think there's, there's something that kind of motivates you to still stay hopeful and to to not kind of give up on it completely? Because you, as you said, you still kind of are a little bit idealistic when it comes to it. Yeah, I, I am trying to uh, figure out ways that I could still um, stay connected um, to, to Albania and, and the situation here, especially with the uh, uh, with a criminal justice system, which is what I hope to, um, to work in in the future. Um, I still can't say that I have a plan, uh, but, but I am hopeful in the sense that I'm hopeful that I will still be able to uh, contribute in some way um, to, to what is going on in, uh, in Albania. Um, I don't think I could uh, I don't think I could do it uh, from here, you know, I don't think I could live in Albania and try to do that because I really feel that I would be on my own. Um, I really feel that I I wouldn't be able to create meaningful change and that I would just uh, waste my, uh, my life and my education trying. I don't think I would ever get the recognition um, for it and I don't think I would ever be able to um, actually make change um make a difference but i think that i could try um while living somewhere else um because i think that is such a small country that uh, no matter what you are no matter who you are there's not you can't you don't have a lot of influence there's just there's so much power that you can have um to create change but being somewhere else living somewhere else um especially if you do have a position in um in the system that you want to contribute in i think you have more of of an opportunity to to contribute from the outside and from the side um i feel i really feel like people listen to you more mm -hmm. um if you've created a life somewhere else, it's, 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 uh, somehow it's like you have more credibility. Yeah. It's a shame that it's, I, I, yeah. 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 And maybe things will change in the future, but I don't see that happening, um, in my future, you know, mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. So I think we just have to try to, make change in whatever way it's possible mm -hmm. right now and just hope that um eventually little bit by bit things get a little better um i only decided that i didn't want to come back to albania um 
pretty late because for for a big portion of my life after I I decided that I wanted to study law and I wanted to get into politics, I was very hopeful. But then um, when I uh, I think maybe maybe the second year of high school, I started to notice that you know the new um, the new politicians, the new. Uh, you know, the new lawyers, the new jurors who were coming out of schools, they weren't, they did not have that in mind. You know, they didn't finish their degrees thinking, oh, we have to work and change Albania. And I don't know if I can blame them entirely because the system, it, it's built in this way where um, in order to be successful, you have to kind of conform to, to how the system works. Mm -hmm. And if I stayed here, I feel like I would be pressured to conform as well. And I don't want to. I feel like not conforming and still being able to, to help might be even easier um, if I'm not here. I think that's really powerful and, and being able to recognize that and use and realizing that I can still help to make a change to some extent, but I need to do it my way and the way that's gonna, you know, work best for me. And I think you're right in the sense that we, just because we're not there, doesn't mean we're not contributing in some way. You know, I'd like to think that ALSA, the organization, in some way is contributing by connecting Albanians and creating a community hub. And I think for me, especially, it's really been a way to kind of you know, get in touch with my culture once again and and just, you know, remember that we can make changes in, in small capacities um, and the JZA app absolutely shows that. So you should be very proud of everything you're doing and I'm so excited for your future to see. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. <laughs>